So one of the things that we have with working dogs that you don't have with companion dogs, right? So here's the, the, the all the principles of learning are the same, how we approach like teaching are the same. It's like we're manipulating dogs in the same way. Like no, they don't learn differently. The difference with our working dogs is we need a higher level of motivation from them to do the, the um, behaviors we want and they have to be in a high state of arousal in order to execute these behaviors and I can't use too much suppression on them at a certain stage because then they won't engage in the activity. So if I have a companion dog and he goes to chase a car and I overcorrect him for that and now he doesn't want anything to do with cars, I'm like, oh well, he doesn't chase cars, that's fine, right? If I do the same thing to my working dog and he doesn't want to search anymore, or he doesn't want to go bite somebody anymore, or he doesn't want to retrieve the dumbbell anymore, or whatever, now I'm in trouble, right? And so we're walking much more of a fine line in terms of balance. And that balance question is something that's there in all aspects of dog training. And it's intrinsically, to me, it's one of the most interesting things. Like, how can I put containment on a dog so they learn that control is a piece of the puzzle without strongly inhibiting their ability to do the work that they have to do? There are two places where I frequently see dogs overbuilt before the control comes in. Certain more traditional IGP Schutzen clubs, right? Where they really fire the dog up and make a lot of really intense aggressive barking and stuff like that before they teach control pieces. And then in PSA, they, they, some of the guys have a tendency to do a little bit of the same thing because they want a little more aggression in the dogs and stuff. So they, they really fire those dogs up before they put any brakes on. And a certain dog, you get away with it and another dog, now you've introduced huge elements of conflict. So what I've become aware of over the years, trying a lot of different disciplines like that, is I think I try to introduce the control earlier a little bit, and if it goes well, it allows me to do a little less of it, and if it's a struggle, then I persist there so that I have that piece in there before I put the dog here. And it's doing it at the right space developmentally. It's a, it's a little bit of a guessing game. I'm basically looking at the dog in front of me and saying, wow, you're a lot, I'll start. So I have a puppy right now who's nine months old, right? And normally I teach my puppies to let go of objects, right? When they're finished teething normally. So they're somewhere six, seven months old when I teach them the out off a toy, right, kind of thing. Well, the current puppy, I taught her at 10 weeks old. Because she was nuts. Like, she was kooky. She, you know, I could walk across the yard hanging her off the thing. I'm like, okay, like, all right, you're really into this. Let's do this now, right? And it's, a good, it's good that I did, right? So she learned it. Once she learned it, I could leave it alone for a bit. I didn't have to do a lot of it. Didn't require a lot of pressure at that age. I could kind of do it with little conflict. But had I waited, it would have been much more of a fight and b then potentially introduce control. And so it's kind of the same thing with capping. What you're talking about is capping, containing barking and energy. I'm looking for that sweet spot where you're motivated, I can introduce control so you understand the concept of control, but I'm not having to fight with you, and then, but it's, we're guessing or, all the time. Sometimes I start it a little early, I'm like, ooh, no, too soon, back off, back off, build, 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 build. <coughs> capping is, um, where you teach the dog to go from an active state to a what we call cap state, where they take energy and they're excited and you t have them put that energy into a stationary behavior of some kind, right? So if I'm teasing my dog with a toy and he's chasing it around and I hold it out there and he leaps through the air and I go whoop and he misses it and lands over there and he comes, turns around like he's gonna come flying back at me to get his toy. And I say sit and he goes and sits 
and I say yes and let him come grab his toy. That's capping. He's actively chasing a toy, he's all excited, and then I go sit or down, and he goes and puts all that energy into a contained obedience behavior. So in protection, we see it all the time. I have my dog at the line, the line barking. Sit. He sits, quiet. Boom, and then I let him go bite. Right? I let him unload his energy into something he wants. So capping is like an interruption in an excited, stimulated dog that, where they put that energy into an obedience behavior, a contained obedience behavior. And we use it a lot when we're playing with the dog to teach them self-control, right? So at first, we, get, we are playing and it's very calm and they learn to out and bite and out and play or whatever, out and chase their ball or those things. Then I'm gonna deliberately get the dog a little excited and then ask them to do something before they get the reward that they want because I'm controlling access. So if they don't do it, I just go, nope, you don't get this. You wanna try that again? Right? So I can deliberately get them a little overexcited and then ask them to put that energy into a behavior. And this does a couple of things for us in, as we go along. One is the dog learns to put that energy into the behavior, so the behaviors tend to get more intense. So when I ask them to sit, they tend to sit really fast because they want to slam their butt down and get that reward. So they take that energy that they've built up and they put it into the obedience behavior. So they tend to do the be obedience behaviors with lots of energy and speed, which is a, for a competitive trainer is a good thing, right? For a person on the street, they could care less, right? But, but for a competitive trainer, that's a good thing. The other byproduct, though, is that the dog learns to contain themselves as they get more and more stimulated. So that later on, when they get stimulated in more real-world situations, and I want to ask them to sit or down or heal away from something that's exciting, I have much better success rate because they've already learned that idea, that concept of something you want out there, really excited, have to do obedience to get to it kind of idea. And so that makes my transition to real-world obedience with a dog that's excited much easier. So later on, if I can, for instance, if I can throw a ball and my dog can be chasing the ball and I can say down and he'll drop in the middle of chasing the ball, right, which I can set up exercise to create that, that's a capped exercise. Later on, if my dog, I'm gonna have much more luck stopping my dog chasing a cat when I say down than somebody that had not gone through that process would, right? And so for us as, as trainers that, that aren't necessarily interested in competitive obedience, the byproduct is your dog is better, uh, you're better able to control your dog when they get excited. So we artificially create circumstances where we get the dog excited and control them so that in real world situations where they get excited, we have a better chance of controlling them. So for, even for, this is, and this is what I say to pet dog trainers and pet dog people that say like, I don't care about how fast my dog sits, for Christ's sake, who cares, right? The benefits are, again, the toy play allows us to exercise our dog and the capping exercises allow our dog to learn self-control when they're excited. So now your dog comes over and he's jumping up and down because his best friend comes over and he wants to smash everybody at the door and he's leaping up and down like, oh, we got a visitor, we got a visitor. And I go, sit. My dog goes, boom, and sits, right? Because I taught him he's to cap himself when he gets excited. And so then if he doesn't and I give him a little correction, he goes, okay, I know what that is, wham. But it's not like the, the first time he hears it is in that situation and he has no idea what you're talking about. He's never had to contain himself in that when he's excited. And now I'm correcting him. And he's going, what? What's wrong with you? I don't get this. And, or he associates it with the other person and you get superstitious behavior, all the other stuff we talked about. So by using toys uh, for the average person, the, their, 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 their value for a competitive trainer is obvious, right? You make all kinds of drive for these things and then you can use that drive as an obedience reward. You can speed up behaviors. You can make more intensity in behaviors. You can make more duration in behaviors. 
because you have a really high value reward, obvious. But for everybody else, it's a great way of exercising your dog with you in an interactive way. So you guys exercise together so that the dog is interacting with you while they're expending energy and learning self-control later on as we, as we add the rules to it, to the games of playing. Thank you.